Welcome to Zero Lift, a weekly celebration of all things motorsport. I'm your host, Lenny, aka Mr. Zero Lift. I'm here with my two cohorts, the vaping sensation Ryan. <laughs> Ayo. And John, who's been hopping across the U.S. like a bar hopping sailor in Phuket. If I was a Pokemon, you could call me Narizard. What's up, guys? How are you guys doing this week? Oh, I'm lovely. How are y'all? Excellent. And I would argue I've traveled more miles than John. <laughs> debatable. Probably. That's debatable, though. By car. Uh, you guys ready for this week's subject? Uh, this week, we're talking about something so deep that John needs two episodes uh, to complete a soapbox on. I just can't share. And, and uh, Ryan's taking the charge on what I wish I was driving, and uh, his clue has got us, us being me and John, totally messed up. Totally messed uh, up. So I'll... I'll tell you guys here in the audience uh, what the clue is, just so maybe you can figure it out before we do. Um, so he says it comes from White Meadows. We have absolutely no clue what it is. Whatever. So he might stump us here tonight. Whatever that means. Uh, yeah. Before we get on to our deep subject, uh, why don't we do a little bit of what we've done the past week car-wise? Ryan, why don't you kick it off? What you've done? Yeah, sure. Uh, so first off, I think I've covered more mileage just in the sense of a car and also flying being that uh recently i came back from california and now i'm in south dakota i've hit quite a quite a bit of range um i went on a little bit of a cruising on a sunday with the wife uh we went to devil's tower in western wyoming and back to spearfish which we're staying and went down the 14a uh which is considered like on par with the grand canyon in its scale but you can drive through it can't drive through the Grand Canyon. You can drive through uh, the Spearfish Canyon. Um, so that was an awesome experience. Um, and honestly, I have a hot take. I kind of enjoy the western, uh, the eastern edges of Wyoming, Wyoming in general, really. Like Jackson Hole is great too. Uh, and like the Black Hills area more than I enjoyed the Bay Area driving around. Uh, that is my hot take for the week. Why um, did you enjoy it more? Can you? In- uh, enlighten us with that. <laughs> Absolutely. So a big, <laughs> um, so a big thing. I'm a, I'm a big nature guy. I love David Attenborough. Sir Attenborough is is my hero. Um, and I really enjoyed the biodiversity of California and Northern California. Redwoods are amazing. Palm trees are super cool. It was green in January. Awesome. Way too many people. Way too many people. So <laughs> like I'm going through Sonoma and it's pretty, but like I've got cars everywhere. I was in Eastern Wyoming going legally 80 miles per hour uh there's nobody there's just literally no other cars so i'm getting this uh for me the escape around me the lack of people and being able to like be in my own zone and also i prefer like i like northern california because it's pretty close to what i like but i like this black hills or like southern utah vibe of like flat open spaces and also these massive just ridges coming out of nowhere it's like my my perfect scenario uh, because when you do get in the squiggles on the map, you have these nice, like, cool, cool chicanes and sectors, and then you've got just flat out, and then pop, 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 flat out. There's nobody. I mean, I we were cruising along, and we saw some bald eagles, and I pulled over, and we're just sitting there for, for 10 minutes doing some David Attenborough nature documentary stuff, watching these bald eagles. One car, one semi-truck that you just heard coming up the ridges and then come through, but that's it. When I was in California, that would have been like 50 cars. And so like whilst the actual hills and the driving in California was awesome and I really enjoyed it and I really liked the nature, people for me and the other cars you have to worry about kind of ruined it. So that's why I, uh, I've enjoyed my Sunday cruising up here in the middle of nowhere of the mid- middle of the United States. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with California, right? The weather is just so good throughout the year that uh, why wouldn't you want to live there so there's a bit of overpopulation i would say yeah and i mean i don't disagree it's great um it was 40 here and kind of dry and there was some wet patches i did i had a 330i uh bmw uh was what i had for my car but it had a slight gash in the front higher sidewall and also i was gonna be driving through blizzard conditions on friday so i had to trade it out and i got a crv it's a tour edition, which isn't awful, but like that's a huge juxtaposition between this like 
awesome car. I just didn't feel like doing rallying because uh, tomorrow I'm going to be going south from the Black Hills into western Nebraska and then heading all the way east back to Omaha. So I'll be covering basically, again, 17 hours of driving in about four and a half days. Um, yeah, I my hot take is basically come to the Midwest, especially the pre-rock area. It's awesome. I'm part with the Rockies and also California. Nice. My hot take cool. is Ryan hates people. Uh, <laughs> That's not a hot take. That's true. I'm, I'm kind of surprised he's tiptoed around all the stupid California drivers around here, especially in the Bay and the Sacramento area. No, no. Shout outs oh. to all of them. Y'all are dumb. Use your damn turn signals for the love, love of everything. Signal. Use your turn signal. That's all said, I'm asking. I had some dude just today. Dumb. <laughs> just today i uh had some dude wander into my lane like in traffic we're all doing 70 there's um, i only leave maybe a car and a half of space uh between me and the car in front of me on the highway just because i'm mr zero lift and i like to live life dangerously and, and following it right anyway this dude merged into my lane no turn signals and like wandering he wandered into the lane it looked like i was like dude are you no, totally fine. A very attentive driver. It's just dangerous. didn't feel like he wanted to use his turn signals. There They're everywhere. Way, besides turn signals, and this happened out here on the way out here, it's the people that drive with a wrist, right? 12 o'clock position. I am driving with my <laughs> wrist. My wrist is leaned over, and I'm, dri- and I'm like, I can't even do that. I'm, I'm, go- I, I'm in BFE, no car around me, and there's a, a this lane ends merge, and I felt guilty that I didn't use my turn signal. I... <laughs> Like, just use your turn signal, drive with your hands, and not your wrist. It's not complicated, folks. <laughs> I'm off my box. <laughs> All right, he stepped off his soapbox. Uh, I'll join you on the rental car soapbox. I had to rent a Nissan Sentra, and it was terrible. Sentra? Um, what? It was so bad. Um, I don't recommend it. It uh, The Android Auto skipped every 10 seconds, no matter what cable I used. Anyway, uh Sounds I've, like a Nissan. Yeah. I've been in, uh, I went to Huntsville. I recorded from the hotel room for work, and then I diverted to Colorado, went to Breckenridge, did some shredding, uh, came back, landed at 5 a.m. Sunday morning, slept for a couple hours, and then all my stuff had showed up for the Ducati, so I put this thing called a time cert, which is like a really gangster helicoil, into the... I think I covered the whole chronicle of what happened last time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breaking your T25s, yes. Yeah. So, um, hey, that, that time cert, that thing is money. And I'm happy to report that the Ducati is back together. Well, it's not. I mean, I haven't finished working on it, but the, the breakage is fixed. That part of the bike is back together. It's very professional. It's very solid. And I have no concerns with its future reliability. So, uh, yeah, so, I saw... Yeah, saw the pics in the uh, in our gearhead chat uh, just before we stepped in here, and that looks clean, man. You did a very good job. Thank very you. good. Thank you very much. Thank well you done much. there. Uh, time search are expensive. A kit for one type of threaded hole. So I, I got an M8. It's like a hundred bucks, but it comes with everything. It comes with the drill bit you need, the insertion tool. You got to countersink the hole for a lip in the sleeve. If y'all don't do this stuff, you don't know what I'm talking about, but. <laughs> it's very comprehensive. It's very high quality. It's better than helicoils. If you trash a critical bolt, like they got you. So, shout out to Time Cert. We do not accept any money from them, at least right now. But Time hey, Cert. yeah, Daddy wants a taste. <laughs> if anybody from Time Cert's listening, not um, sponsor, but Time Cert's <laughs> the way to go. Yeah, um, Lenny, what do you got? Anything? Uh, I have some car related stuff. Uh, I did do some car shopping, car parts shopping, more specifically. Um, not here in the States, but over in Japan. Uh, so hopefully they'll be at the purchase look at the location of a good friend of mine's house shortly. Uh, but he did send me a video of some stuff that I bought last year that finally arrived. Um, not that I'll put, yeah, well, it's kind of a special edition thing. Um, so John, do you remember last summer where HKS like put out this special campaign, um, and they sold like a limited edition set of floor mats with the old HKS oil stain livery on it. Yeah. Uh, well, I was able to uh, secure a set of those. You And they finally came in. They came in at the end of the year, last year. hipster. 
I know. <laughs> and, and it's something I told myself I would never buy for, for my car because it's not something that I would put in there and then like put my feet on and use because it's it cost me like $300. <laughs> I'll be honest there. Wow. Uh, but it's just so pretty and I might have to put it up on our uh, Instagram and our Twitter. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be like a showpiece. Uh, not in the car, but I'll probably frame it or probably do something stupid. It was just, just a stupid impulse purchase, but I don't regret a single that minute of it okay. that hks livery is like the motorsports version of those 90s styrofoam cups <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah the uh the jerry mm. cups yeah is that what they're called with the teal and the purple on the white yeah yeah um, you'll, you'll have to look it up uh ryan hks 90s oh, I know, livery i know the hks livery yeah, yeah. it's yeah it's right. Jerry, it's like those uh it's like those one jackets those spring breakers we got mm-hmm. it's like those yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's nostalgic like those uh, starter jackets from the '90s Absolutely. as well. Yeah. So I got I got those. Uh, I also bought some go fast parts uh, that that I'll chat about later once uh, they're secured. Actually, uh, I have been paying attention to the Tokyo Auto Salon and the content coming out of there. I don't know if you guys have. No, um, I'm not. but there's some exciting stuff. Uh, we might just have to have a whole episode on that um, here shortly because it's crazy. HKS. Not to be an HKS fanboy here for a second, but HKS has definitely pushed the boundaries of um, some refinement in the RB26 world. Not to talk GTR, but GTR stuff inbound. Take a drink. Take two shots. Take a drink. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we're definitely going to have to talk about that soon, I think. Maybe with a special guest. We'll see. Be on the lookout for that, anybody listening. All right, well, hey, we we got a monster of a topic, and that's why I beat these boys into submission and force them to do a two-part special on this. Um, it's, a, it's a subject. This is probably my favorite era of motorsports, period. And even though everybody knows my favorite car is a Ferrari F40, I think the coolest cars ever made all came from the Group B era of WRC rally racing. And, Amen. And as we will yeah, see... why don't you own one? Hold on. We'll get there. Uh, as we will see... Even the F40 has some roots in Group B. But, it uh, sure does. It does. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. So Group B, it, it's legendary in motorsports history. Every major car blog, YouTube channel, whatever, has something on it. And now we're going to throw our hat in the ring. Um, I want to approach this from a historical and a background perspective because everybody talks about the cars and what made group B dangerous and why it eventually got banned and all that. But I want to kind of give some perspective and some background. So a little bit of a history lesson and walk down memory lane, um, from the top. So in 1973 was when the WRC was formally organized world rally championship. And that WRC is essentially the off-road racing version of formula one. It's the, the highest end competition of cars that race off road. And one of the things that's notable about WRC is it's, it's kind of anything goes there's tarmac stages, there's ice, there's mud, there's rocks. Uh, it's any and everything, but it's, it's in contrast to like Jeeps and mudden, it's going fast down trails and it's, always in some kind of it it almost resembles a um uh like a grand prix you know like a like a monaco or something like that in that it is in some kind of nature setting it's not a it's not a bespoke racetrack rally reminds me of like you said monaco like street circuits and f1 are then dialed up to a thousand yeah definitely like you say monaco though monte carlo yeah Monaco, there's a Monte Carlo rally. Well, so right, is that what it's called, Ryan? Uh, you were you were just yeah. talking about it. So basically, it is the 50th year of WRC is this year, um, and the first race of the season is typically Monte Carlo, in which they end in Monaco. Uh, some other places that would be snow would be they go to Sweden, for example. They have yep. also raced in Kenya, so the Africa. Uh, you also have Australia is a good example, the yep. Outback, and things like that. So. Basically, 
your big old open spaces and dirt roads that you think of. Um, is rally in really fast cars. That's rally. Yep. There's sharp turns. There's blind corners. There's offset corners. There's it's crazy. Well, rally is something that is just for the Americans. That would be New England is where they have raced. Yep. Uh, in yeah, Re- America. yeah. Well, Historically, yeah. And here's the thing, before we get into this specific era, one of the things that makes WRC-style rallying so nuts is that it is a A to B race, so it's not like you're not going around a circuit, and the drivers get minimal, I think they get, what is it, one or two sighting passes down this pass, and what they're expected Back to east. do... What's up? called reckies yeah reckies thank you thank you but they get minimal reckies and they're supposed to take notes of every corner and how tight it is and then you drive with a navigator so unlike a racetrack where you run the track over and over again and in the sim and blah 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 blah, and you learn the track and you learn your brake markers and your apexes in wrc style rally you get a couple recce passes, your navigator takes a bunch of notes, and then when you race, you're driving flat out, and your navigator, they categorize the corners from one to six, one being like a hairpin first gear turn, and six being like a wide open sweeper. And so you're just driving, and your navigator's like right six into 400 meters, left two. And you're just hitting your brakes and your apexes based off what your navigator's calling out. So it's a, there's a team aspect, that, and it's just psychotic. Talk about trust, right? The, yeah. the, the trust factor right there is just crazy. Because, I mean, if, if you YouTube WRC, I mean, in any era, they were going fast. Right? Super Modern fast. era, too. It's super fast. And that's, well, that's for why, me, That's like, why I said any era. They're, it's all fast. Any era. It's all, you're traversing a narrow stretch of dirt road. And and not having realistically enough time to like calculate, you're just doing it by by what you and your co-pilot or co-driver navigator have like said what a two is right in terms of steering angle. Yeah, right. yeah. And so a big thing is first off, John, I love that you're a, a naval pilot, and so you say navigator, and it's it's co-pilots is the correct term. Oh my god, you would say navigator because it, yeah. But it is the matter of that. It, it's very interesting that same cars, et cetera, uh, even in the same chassis, the co-pilot and the driver, they have their own unique language in which for one driver, it will be a two right into 33 left. And another one, it would be three right, don't cut two. Right. Um, yep. So yep. this language is very, very complicated and is a big part of the rally scene is the co-driver. But I just, it's hilarious to me that like, it's so instinctive to you to say navigator. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> it, makes, so, well, I mean, it makes complete look, sense for hey, you to say navigator. That, that, is, that is his primary job in the car, so Absolutely. it's not wrong. <laughs> is look, a navigator. Hey, I we're don't not, disagree. I'm just saying the term. We're not talking finer <laughs> points of rallying. It's, we could do a whole Semantics. episode on that. So, hey, 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 WRC gets formulated and something you got to understand geopolitically throughout this whole series. You know, we're talking into the 70s and then group B is the 80s. This is a this is a boom time for motorsports. This is post global oil crisis. Formula One is really coming into its own. It's starting to become a I mean, Formula One been around for a long time, but it's starting to become a very dynamic and a lot of the names that we revere today were from this period. Um, Post. money. Anna. Yep. All those hunt, um, turbos coming into play a lot. In motorsport. We're seeing a lot more right. turbos. So you're getting, you're getting technology. There's basically limitless budget and motorsports exploding around the world. And that becomes lucrative for companies to compete. And that fact, the money is what is going to drive all of this. So, Thanks, Big Tobacco. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Big Tobacco. Um, <laughs> so where WRC? Where starts. was Rally? I just have. I want to pose the question before we get any further. Where was Rally as a whole, like before Group B? Well, before Group B, so WRC before before WRC in seventy three, rallying was either organized like at a local level with agreed upon rules, or it was thought of as more of a journey. 
you know, like I'm going to like, Hey, we're going to do a road rally with an agreed upon average speed and it's navigation and time. And it's like, I'm going to go Get from the car thing kind of, but, but like, it was more of like a gentleman sport. Like I'm going to go from Wales to the Southern tip of Italy and I'm not allowed to exceed the speed limit. And these are navigational problems. These are reliability road repair problems and that kind of thing. As motorsports became more sporty, guys wanted to go faster. And so you saw local rallies that were based not around this navigation and reliability thing, but around speed. And then the demand for that increased until the WRC formalized, and that made it a sprint race. And so mm-hmm. that gets big. And the first, like, the first huge thing, I mean, this, you know, this is where your Ford. Um, escorts come from and your, your mini Coopers and all that stuff. But the first like huge shot across the bow of making like a bespoke race car for rally racing was Lancey with the Stratos who we've talked about before. And I'm not going to get into that. Um, Love the Stratos. Yeah. One of my favorite cars, but that car is important because it was like the first proof of concept of a small company building a limited number car only for homologation to go racing. And it dominated in the mid to late 70s. After that, uh, Renault took notice and they developed the uh, the Turbo 5, the T5. Um, and that was built to homologation rules. So back then, something people don't understand is that all these classes, sports car racing, use all the same classes. So group B wasn't just a rally class. It was a road car class. And I'll get into that in a second, but Renault built a car to the then, I believe it was group four specification. Um, and that was the turbo five. And they took their Econo box front engine, front wheel drive shit box. They put the engine in the back and turbocharged it and created this thing just to race in WRC. And they were very successful until Group B happened. Um, so, Renault was successful as well with the A110 as well. A110. You're talking about that's Alpine. Yeah, I think you're talking a different. Sorry, Renault and Alpine merge in my head for some reason because of no, it's all uh, good. F1. But my that's apologies. also, that's apologies. yeah, but that's also 70s era. That's pre, pre this. So, what, so what had happened was all this, all this is, this is starting to gain momentum. It's getting national recognition and a lot of auto manufacturers, there's kind of a schism between like big companies like Ford or Audi that wanted to keep. So the homologation rules at the time were um, for group two, which is the lower class, like closer to a production car. It was like 5,000 models. And for group four, it was 400 models and small companies like Lancia, small companies wanted low homologation because it's a small company. They don't want to have to build a whole bunch of cars and try and sell them people when really all they want to do is win races with them. Imagine Lancia trying to put out like 5,000 units for their yeah. rally. Their rally up. Not a chance. Not a chance. No way. Big no companies way. like Ford and Audi, they wanted to keep the small guys out of it and they wanted high production numbers. Um, but eventually... Why? Because small guys are always faster. That's right. Proven. Science. But eventually, um, John knows they arrived. Red Bull. <laughs> I mean, John knows I'm, all about being a, a fast I, small guy. I am a fast small guy. You should have seen me <laughs> on the slopes. You should have seen me on the slopes. <laughs> now, so eventually, they arrived at a compromise, and the uh, the FISA, which is what they called the FIA back then, essentially. Um, came up with new sporting regulations. The idea was to relax the homologation requirements and let guys go wild. Um, so they got rid of groups one through six, which is what all the sports cars fell under with like group one being a factory car that you just buy and go drive. And group six being like a racing prototype that doesn't, you can't even drive it. It doesn't exist. It's like the, uh, like the Rolex cup prototype cars and stuff that you see. Ah. Um, they got rid of that and they replaced it with groups in, in meaning normal for literally a production car, A, B, and C. And that applied to everybody. It applied to tarmac. It applied to rally. But for some weird socioeconomic reasons, uh, group B never took off in tarmac. Um, a quick little aside to that. The reason was that 
So Group B's homologation requirements were 200 cars. So that was half of what Group 4 was. Group C, right. Group C was just wide open, no homologation, racing prototype. You build this car, you race it, period, dot. Um, and so in the old numbered system, Group 4 was a homologation. Group 5 was called a silhouette class, which was like a really wickedly modified version of the homologation car. And then a Group 6 was a full-blown mm-hmm. prototype. What ended up happening is Group A, which was the modified normal cars, that got really popular in tarmac racing. And so guys with low budgets raced Group A, and guys with a ton of money raced Group C. And that kind of left Group B in the middle. And they were like, why am I going to build 200 cars for this when I can either race a stock-ish car in A or build a real car for C? Now, in Group B, however, you had smaller uh smaller models smaller production values the the cars were cheaper to make um and so group b appealed to a lot of manufacturers in the rally scene and so that blew up but it's i I wanted to just point out that group b was not a rally spec class it was just a fia or fisa at the time sports car racing class and a set of what other what other restrictions were there besides just the 200 uh, unit production. So for Group B specifically, there was the 200 unit production, and then there were subclasses based on weight and engine size. So you had the subclasses were B9, 10, 11, and 12. All the cars that we're going to talk about that people remember and freak out about are B12 class. So that's the peak displacement. I think it was, um, I think it has to be under three liters and that's with a turbocharger adjustment of 1.4 so really yeah so, so you be three liters in a or it's like what is it 2200 cc or something like that turbo or two. so that's really interesting that you say all that because like i've been reading some pretty reliable i guess looking blogs the past week and a half like brushing up on my group b knowledge and like a lot of them are saying that there was like no engine capacity limit or no boost limit or no regulation and that sort and you could use any sort of exotic material and like to me that sounded a lot like group c because that's like just straight up race car right well it's like an unlimited class yeah so the thing is though that the there were limits but they were super lax so the Mm. only limits were for the 9 10 11 and 12 if you were in a lower class, the width of your tires had to be narrower and you get wider tires as you went up classes. The minimum weight got higher. Right? So okay. you could be so there was a minimum weight, there was a maximum tire width, and there was a maximum engine displacement. And that's it. Like that was literally it in terms of aero, body panel, like how you shape it, what it's made out of, whether your engine has 20 cylinders or one turbo how much boost you run nothing there there was no regulation on that the only so regu- that's really how peugeot was able to come up with like the concept of the t5 uh with it being uh what is it mid mid mounted transversal transversely mounted in between the axles with a side-by-side transmission well, yeah that's well that's it though the only thing the only limitation beyond that like i had to build a car with this engine and these and these tires but then that the only other limitation past that is what you would actually build and sell to the public right and that's and like you could go out and buy a, a renault turbo 5 and that's an amazing car to buy it's just so that, nice and so love it's it. so interesting to me so like for me that's so interesting that like a no, what is it in this era? It is like across the board FII speculation, essentially, both for essentially what IMSA, basically, but in Europe, and then also rally that there are these same groups that apply to all of them. Yeah, and that most of the regulations have to do with can you make two hundred of these? Yep. Not what the car actually is. Exactly. It's more of can you produce this many cars? Right. And so it's more of a financial burden than exactly. it is a technological aero engine package issue it's more of just can you make this times x 200 100 right. and this is what it was man and and we'll get into this more in episode two but what it was is manufacturers called fisa's bluff because fisa was like we're gonna make 
the job because you only had 12 months to make your 200 cars and they're like Holy we're gonna be cow yeah we're like we're gonna cow. make it hard Short for you guys time. to do it and that's how we're gonna limit the cars from being too wild and all the manufacturers are like <laughs> hold my beer right, bro exactly. <laughs> you're gonna give me a year to build the most wildest this- rally car ever yeah i got you right this is post this is post uh model t era this is manufacturing and it, it like it is literally at yeah. that point more of a team sport and like what can we produce in the manufacturer level than it is it's just wild it's just insane that it's like it's like asking somebody to make 200 f1 cars well, just then, to make the most wild f1 car and then here's the other thing is that there was an allocation called the evo clause or evolution and Ooh. that's where the lancer evo gets its name um but uh the evolution clause stated that you could develop a car with even more extreme shit than is what on on your production car as long as you built 20 evolution models and so that that's where you see the really psycho cars right like yeah, audi that's funny. the audi quattro that's on everything yeah, and the Audi Quattro, you know, that's a that's pretty cool. It's kind of normal, but the it was the Evo models, and they only made twenty of them. And most of the time, you couldn't actually really buy one. They were, you know, allocated to this billionaire or whatever. But the Evo models is where you saw the huge wings, absolute psychotic builds. Um, and what they what FISA thought because the Evo model was if you built the twenty Evos you had to cease production. Like you couldn't sell them anymore in showrooms of the original 200. And they thought that that would discourage people from building psycho Evo models. Guess what? It didn't. It didn't. (laughs) didn't. (laughs) That's the other thing too, is that before this, it was like, Hey, we're going to have all of these different classes that you can buy like S S V S T S whatever. Right. Nick, knack, petty whack, just so we could fit into sort of different classes to build out for our class N or whatever and make these ridiculous ones that are super expensive that are like essentially, I guess, to call back to last week's episode, STI versions, right? M versions. They're essentially these super hyper versions of that, but they didn't narrow down that sort of classification till later on, essentially post-group B, correct? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and well, so, another thing that they would do is they would do the, 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 all these regulations were like enforced very lax. Like they would say, because like the Peugeot 205, for instance, that's a, a Kano box hatch. And they were thinking if you're going to make a race car based off the 205 and then you make an Evo, you have to stop selling the 205. But no, 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 no. Peugeot made a car called the 205 T16. So they kept selling the 205s to soccer moms. It was just the T16. <laughs> was the Evo model <laughs> that they had to cease production of. So okay. they just found clever ways to sidestep and they would do stuff like instead of building 200 cars and then 20 Evo cars, they would build 200 cars. They would illegally scratch the serial numbers off of 20 of them. Wow. And build Evo cars off of the original 200 and then tell so them. Sketchy. Yeah. No, there was, there was sketch For stuff what? like that. To, to get around the financial burden, they wanted to it's build... It's nuts because it doesn't exist now. It's just nuts that it doesn't exist now. There's and it was so, so just... Yeah, there's so much what more. The f- you got. Wow. You also have to realize at this point in time in the game, like there was a very laissez-faire sort of enforcement of all these rules. Very, Like very. John's saying lax, but like the rules themselves and limitations were, you know, far outstretched to begin with, but the enforcement... <laughs> so those rules were like, eh. so, there's no. What you're saying is that the police of the situation want cars to go fast and look wicked sick, but we yeah, everybody to wanted cry. to go fast at that time in you know in history. <laughs> there's right. no, right. there's no, there's no official account of this, but there's a pretty well believed rumor that like Lancia, for instance, when they had the inspectors come and count their 200 models, they put the cars in different rooms and they only built like 150, <laughs> and they physically moved. <laughs> the other 50 cars and made the inspectors count them twice. Uh, yes, that's insane. That they like they basically <laughs> tried to race them down to the next inspection area to yeah. beat the inspectors there so that they could count them as 250. Yeah. It's just nonsense doesn't exist. It's it hilarious. does not exist today. No, it's, it's, it's insane. It. This sort of stuff <laughs> happened in the 80s. It doesn't exist now. Yep. But it is just a part of the story that is group B in a way. So let's talk about so you know, you got the stage stage set. The rules have been you know, the FISA thought the rules were going to be okay. They ended up not being okay. We'll talk more about that in episode two. But how we get into this. At the time, 
rear wheel drive was considered king. And in a lot of ways, it still kind of is, but modern technologies kind of changed that a bit. No one thought that four wheel drive was a viable performance drivetrain. And in 1979, Audi petitioned FISA to allow them to campaign a four wheel drive system in WRC. This is pre group group rules or uh, letter rules. Yes. And they allowed them to. Most people thought the weight of a four wheel drive system and the unreliability of breaking more axles would make it less competitive. And so no one was seriously. What's up? As a side note, they snuck this in at the very end of the meeting. They snuck, Audi snuck in the fact they were like, hey, we're going to do four wheel drive on this right at the end of the meeting. And everybody was, everybody's been there. We've all been in like an hour long video conference calls and a Zoom and we're exhausted. We just want to log out and do whatever. Audi at the very end of the meeting snuck in the four wheel uh, regulations. Well, yeah, but no one was super worried about it because there was never a competitive four-wheel drive car in any motorsports discipline at this point in time, ever. Um, So Audi started developing their car, and the letter group regulations took place in 1982. But it was a very short turnaround, and the regulations were big and sweeping. And so 82 was a transitional year where cars that originally raced under Group 4 and Group 5 regs were allowed to compete in Group B in 82 with the agreement that by 83, everyone would be under Group B. So at the time, in 1982, for the inaugural Group B rally, um, really the only contenders were Opel and Audi, who were debuting their new four-wheel drive Quattro. Um, and the Opel was the, god dang it, what is it, the five, 400? Opal ruins John once again. Yeah, Opal Opal ruins me every single time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was the five hundred, I think. Opal five hundred. No, it was a four hundred. See, this is us flip flopping. Doesn't matter because that's the thing. Is Opal John? John, you have to go buy an Opal now. You just got out. I, I, I do, I do, because I mess up Opal every. Go buy an Opal Mantra and be done with it. Every <laughs> single time. Just, just, just go buy an Opal. Well, okay. if it's the four hundred, the five hundred, you know, it was an Opal. It didn't win. Well, so that Manta, the Manta B four hundred, that's the one. So, saying the go Opel, buy an Opel Mana. The Opel Manta B four hundred was a rally car, very much in the vein of the pre Group B rules. It was a rear wheel drive, made somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred to two fifty horse. Uh, well set up, nimble. Audi comes out with their Quattro, which was known for kind of being a pig to drive. The engine was way out in front; it made it understeer really bad but it had an inline five turbo engine made a buttload of power and the four wheel drive system. And in 1982, Audi won with, uh, it's two drivers, uh, Mouton and Mikola, uh, Mouton in particular, uh, of note because she was a female driver in a field dominated by men. Um, and she wow. took second overall. Um, I wow. believe, yeah. And so yeah. I, Audi won the Constructors' Championship with Opel in second, and Nissan, believe it or not, was a distant third with, like, a third of the points of both of them. I just, that's, that just makes me want to put my daughter on the Simrig more because, like, hashtag girl dad, and I just want to be, like, you know, go racing. And there's the WEC, which is the female version of the F1, uh, which is you know, more people should check out. But it, they're out there. Uh, but it's, it's nice to see female empowerment in a racing dominated sport with men mostly i'm looking at the manufacturing standings for that year john and you are absolutely right audi had 116 points opal in second with 104 the nissan 57 total points that's like a huge gap yeah huge gap i talk about domination that's complete domination you would have seen more from lancia but that year just because things were getting started lancia developed a new car called the 037 which is pretty gnarly. They weren't buying into four-wheel drive yet. Um, it was a rear-wheel it's drive. It's a fun car to drive. Yeah. It, it was a rear-wheel drive car. It had a supercharged four-cylinder in the in the back. Um, but they only did like Jeez. a half season just to like kind of shake it down. Um, and so, so that was the inaugural year. And, and that year, it, it cannot be understated that like Audi shocked the world with the four-wheel drive. This is the, this is the year that the, they debuted the Quattro, 
and like everyone was looking at it right and i and they're like oh wow it's heavier than all of our cars it's higher up than all of our cars the hell right Right. and and audi had had some success on lower level rallies but not on the world stage with the quattro before this because they got it approved in 79 and they took it racing in 1881 but not oh wow not high end stage and so this Mm. their debut into wrc in 82 was like oh my god four-wheel drive's a thing um and it and out the gate it was good i think they had a few reliability issues um, yeah they really the two dnfs in Kenya in kenya and uh, new zealand on that year yep yep they really but, uh, aside from that yeah, was good. and so then that takes us to the first year of actual like full-blown group b and that was in 1983 um this is everybody on the same uh, page in terms of uh, cars, right? Everybody was on the same regulations. Yeah. Everybody had new cars. Yep. So no transition rules are allowed now. Everything has to be to Group B spec with homologation and all that. Um, this is – so we're not going to talk about them this episode, but in this year, there were a bunch of manufacturers that had taken notice, and they were starting to develop cars to compete later. And that's a lot of what Group B was, was like, because Group B was over and done with at the end of 1986. And so, like, you're only talking, you know, five years of actual motorsport. Um, And so this all happened very quickly, and things were ramping up to get even crazier than it ever ever even was. Um, But people are starting to notice, and they're starting to build, build cars and come up with ways to, like, circumvent these rules and push things. And so... In 83, um, the main contenders, Opel took up third, but the real contenders were Audi and now Lancia with a, they fully fielded their 037. And in 83, the 037 actually won the overall manufacturer's championship with, uh, Was the 037 still rear wheel drive though? Yes. It was. Yes, it was. Um, it was not four wheel drive, but. So what we'll eventually see happen is Audi will try and fix some of the agility problems that the Quattro platform had with it being kind of kind of a pig and ungainly, but that Buddy. happens that happens later. Um, so body, and they lean in really hard to the power aspect of things. But like I said, they're still catching their footing, and the Quattro is so much more powerful than the Manta in '82 that it wasn't an issue. Now in '83, the 037 was pretty potent. It was rear-wheel drive, but it was extremely agile, much easier to drive than the Quattro was. And uh, and the o- Lancia team with uh, Rural, who had driven for Opel and was the top driver the year before, he swapped over to Lancia, um, and they took the Manufacturer's Cup. And that is the last time that a rear-wheel drive car will take top honors in Group B. And I just said the, the uh, doing in the sim, the 037 is a, it, as a as a guy who doesn't know so particularly like wheel drive is a really handable rear wheel drive kind of car um, comparative to the Audi, which is so stabby, even as a four wheel drive car. Uh, I really like the 037. Yeah. It's and, a good car. and you'll see you'll see, you know, as we get deeper into to it, like Audi's kind of design philosophy kind of relied that that inline five turbo engine they built was a monster and so huge stabby. monster one of my so favorites stabby. yeah one of my favorite engines uh just in motorsports history but they really leaned into like well if i can't make a better car i'll just make mine faster um <laughs> you yeah. gotta do it in a german accent john <laughs> and and ryan ryan you gotta think um all these cars and motors were developed for peak power early in their in the rpm range Okay. Uh, then, oh, okay. Interesting. I'm sure if you look into uh, some of the dynographs, may- maybe in in dirt, it pulls it up. I know in like Forza Horizons and other motorsport games, it dinos. like shows dinos and power graphs. Anyway, you like I'm sure you could Google it, or anybody else can Google it, and like the power, you get it at like almost immediately, like in, right. in two hundred two thousand before three thousand RPM range, and then like it levels off, and you get that power throughout until redline and that's that's the way it was and they, they were just all that really shows how flat out zero lift that these guys were like uh, at these rally stations because they were using that power throughout and like just pinning it to the floor left foot braking 
like just keeping that turbo spooled up. Alive. Yeah. So, I, I would definitely say there's no dyno in Dirt 2.0, Lenny, but doing these in the sim, it is definitely a like difference of what gear you're in and shifting them. And yeah, you draw a lot of power in that early band and like going into turns and realizing like depending on the O three seven, for example, versus the Quattro, very different how they approach them. Yeah. Um, but it is like understanding and shifting into and like hitting that band of like, do I need to stab out of this or do I need to like control it into it type of situation? When in doubt, uh, flat out, baby. <laughs> well, that's hashtag, much, much hashtag because zero lift. Get it. Yeah. So, um, so where I we're at you wreck now, your cars, by the way. <laughs> so where we're at now, Take it, John. it's 83 Lancia one, but, uh, Audi put up a hell of a fight and, Things are only going to get worse for cars that aren't embracing some of these new technologies. Four-wheel drive has established itself as probably going to be the dominant technology in terms of drivetrain leading forward. Um, What they thought would be an even pairing of a 1.4 displacement penalty for naturally aspiration versus turbo is slowly starting to prove heinously incorrect. (laughs) They can just extract far more power out of a turbocharged car than they originally thought um we'll talk about how and why next episode but uh and now you have no less than three more major manufacturers that are trying to get into this shooting war and power levels that are quickly exceeding 500 horsepower from the original audi in 82 was making somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 and starting in 84 and on we're going to see power levels go above 500 in dirt and these are cars number yeah these are cars that can accelerate from zero to 60 on gravel in two seconds disgusting and the two it's by the way it's two points is the difference for those of us that follow motorsports two points is the whole difference between lancia and the 037 and audi two points and that uh 83 year yeah correct yeah and the 037 and the 037 honestly is a superior car but, oh, it's fantastic. But you're seeing these technological – because the 037 was right. supercharged, didn't quite Development have the power cycle. advantage, and didn't yep. have the Quattro. And so now yep. the stage is set for 84 and beyond and the eventual disbandment of Group B, and that is where we will pick up next time. Yeah, join us uh, for that episode two. We'll take it over to Ryan now with the uh, what I wish you were driving or what I wish I was driving this week. I don't know what I shot. We all were driving. We'll see after uh, figure out what this car is. Uh, so this is a game of 20 questions in which we try to figure out what I wish I was driving, uh, where John and Lenny will ask me questions to figure out what the car is. Uh, multiple choice questions are allowed uh, to a degree, John. Well, uh, hold um, on. They're, they're yes or no questions, but sometimes I like to ask like three or four things and say, is it one of those? And again, I think the general consensus is we get one of those typically okay. after question 10. That's but you get one. Yeah. Lenny and I are a little bit more civil in our uh, questioning. John, you're a little bit more liberal. All right, boys. Uh, so as you know, this hint is from the White Meadows. Take it away. From the White Meadows. Is this American? Negative. Is it European? Yes. Did it race in rally? No. Ooh, it was not a rally racer. Okay. Is it turbocharged? Yeah, is it turboed? Is it turboed? Well. Oh, you got to be kidding me. You don't know? I do know. I'm trying to figure out how I want to pitch this to you. It's yes or no questions. It's either turboed or it's not. Uh, Bueller? I am trying to figure out how to... Don't Bueller me. Don't Bueller me. If it has a supercharger and not a turbocharger, it is not turboed. Yes, it's turboed. Okay. Um, European... Is this rural drive? No. Okay. Uh, Is this all-wheel drive? Yes. Okay. Is it German? No. Hmm. What? 
Is it Italian? No. Hmm. Okay, this is weird. <clears throat> Sean, it could be Swedish. It could be French. And it could be a Volo and it could be a Volvo. Oh shit. Ryan would pick a Volvo too. No, they, I would not pick a Volvo. Jeez. <laughs> it's, just, just hear me out. All-wheel drive. Well, it's a Voxel. The answer is it's a Voxel. Just hear me out. It's an all-wheel drive. It's turboed. It comes from the White Meadows. Ugh. Maybe Sweden? I don't know. It didn't, didn't do anything in rally. Uh, Volvo has a very short history in rally, so I mean, that would... Mm. If any... What, I don't I think, think officially. I think Ryan likes French cars, though. French? Is it French, Ryan? No, it's not French. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It is. Is it Swedish? Let's get that out of the way. Is this from Sweden? Nope. No? It is not Swedish. Fucking hell. You guys are on question 11 already. Okay, it's not German, Italian, French, or Swedish. Um, I mean, British? Do we want to ask if it's British? Yeah, Ryan, is this British? Yes. Hmm. British turbo all-wheel drive. Twelve. British turbo all-wheel drive. Get into a new rally. Um. From the White Meadows. Okay. There's no way it's a high-cylinder car. Or, you know what I mean? Like, wait a second. Hold on a second. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh no. This is fantastic. Lenny. Yeah. This is a Jaguar XJ220. <laughs> um, I have no idea what the White Meadows means. but XJ220? Yeah. The XJ220. Oh, wait, the no. 90s wait. XJ220? No, hold on. Is the XJ220 all-wheel drive? Or is that rear-wheel? Don't go to no. Don't go to the internet, John. I, yeah, I'm no, I didn't. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not, you I'm dare not. So I reach for okay, my so, keyboard and then I stop myself. So, stop yourself. So only because I just got this in Forza Horizon Five. Not that it really matters in the grand scheme of things, but I do remember that the XJR15 was uh, rear-wheel drive. Correct. So, but that also had a V12. Uh, and also had a V12 in it, and that was an '80s, early '90s car. Or it was a 97 car, excuse me. It was 97, so that was 90s. The, X, the XJ220 was a when car, John? That was, uh, I don't know. Well, the, so that was actually, the XJ220 was actually developed for Group B Racing, and then it's I am enjoying this so anyway. much. Um, <laughs> Ryan, is this a Jaguar? Yes, it is. You boys are on the right path. Hmm. Why did he waffle about turbos? Because the 220 is definitely turboed. Um. God, I wish Why I remembered. Why did I waffle about turbos? I wish I remembered more about the. There's no reason to waffle about turbos, Ryan. Yeah, that's like a. <laughs> you better not be very yes or no. You better not be be selling us up a freaking road. Um, uh, should we ask the cylinders, and and your multiple choice, mm, kind of way? Mm. Ooh, that's spicy, boys. Uh, Let's go. I kind of want to ask if it's a V6. It's a good shot. If it's a 220, it's a V6 though. I kind of just want to ask if it's a V6. I don't know. I think the spicy multiple choice question needs to come out. You yeah, guys you are would. at question 13. Yeah, you would. Um, <laughs> no, hey, I don't what think other, multiple what choices. Other? I don't think it's going to help us because Jag okay. didn't really make. I'm going to shoot the shot. They made sixes. They made You're shoot the shot already. They made sixes. Ryan, is this a V6? Does this have a V6? No. Oh, shit. Hmm. Okay, it's not an XA220. What the hell? Don't Did go to the internet. I'm not even reaching. I'm holding my book in my okay, hand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what the hell did Jag make that was turboed? That all-wheel drive and turboed. Ryan, is this was this car built after the year 2000? Yes. Oh shit. Oh. My head was in a something. totally wrong place. Shit, I don't know new Jaguars. So we're, we're fifteen new Jag. I don't know new Jags either. Dang. Hold on, what? Though, I mean, the XJ, the EJ, like, they all can't keep the same. Ryan, hold on a what? second. Hold on a second. Ryan, if you are giving us specs for a Jag that is below, like, the flagship model, I'm going to beat you. 
Oh, it's flagship. I'll give you like, that like, okay. no, like if this car has a V8, but it also has like a turbo inline four or something. Not playing that game. Okay, uh, I'm just so making sure. You're, you're already in the ballpark. I no, I I'm not. I'm just making sure. John, what was? Do you remember the Jag that was in the 007 movie, Die Another Day, the one with Halle Berry? I say that for no particular reason. I try not you to do. pay attention to the Pierce oh, Brosnan. I try not to pay attention <laughs> to the Pierce Brosnan Bond films. Yeah, uh, seriously, let's go back to 07. I, I, I just say that because there was uh, a Jag in that movie, and I video games the best. seemed seemed to remember that it being oil drive. It, it might have just been the movie stuff, but uh, 64 Bond is the best Bond. Goldeneye. That's a different discussion here. Goldeneye is fantastic. Um, Old Finger is good too. Oh man, I might have just got borked on this. We're talking Bond. We'd be talking Austin Martin. So let's. I mean, come on, let's be real. Well, the Bond, Bond bad guy always drives a drag. Also, if you know, but oh. you know, listen, it's observant. I mean, he does. Um, I might have just. Dang I it! Watch, I didn't watch Bond films when I knew cars. No, no. Ryan, was this car a convertible? Was it a convertible? Hold up. <clears throat> Or did it have a convertible option? No, there is no, no convertible didn't. option. So that is fifteen. Did this car race Le Mans? No, it did not race twenty four hours of Le Mans. Dang it! Uh... That's seventeen. I really don't know. No, well, I'm really? going for stumping the Carboys right now. That was 16. I have 17. My last question was 17. God damn it. Did I miss one? Yeah. Case Man, and got- I still don't understand where this comes from, the White Meadows. I don't know where that that has a... I don't know, that's not even a hint at this point. Just, what okay. jag on, comes from the on, White on, Meadows on, unless it's from some obscure marketing campaign, I would wait, say. Wait, 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 wait. So first off... Uh, I'm currently stumping the hell out of the car boys for those of us laymen getting into cars, folks. Yeah, you probably picked an SUV or something stupid. I will also I will also <laughs> tell you where the White Meadows comes from. So, if you know where Jaguar's main production and facility comes from, it is Whitley Commentary in the UK, which is the name Whitley is said to mean from the White Meadow. Oh, you're such a turd. So you're the region. So the region that the Jaguar so comes from is the White Meadow. So your hint was just that it was a Jaguar, not exactly specific Bingo. to the car? Wow. Then I pick a Jag. It's a Jaguar. <laughs> you know. the hint. I didn't need to tell hint. you any hints of the car. You guys are car nerds. I gave you it's a Jaguar. That should get you on the right path. I'm just saying. The White Meadows is, is where Jaguar We're going to have from. to revise your hint strategy here. No, I, I don't. Feel. You guys are car nerds. You know better. I, I don't need cheap, easy guess hints. I, you guys are car nerds. <laughs> Ryan, I'm stumping you. Let's go. Ryan, is this a sports car? Yes, of course it's a sports car. Okay. I'm doing a Lenny on you guys. Come on now. I think we got. Hey, one. there are sports car variants of the cars that I pick. I mean, I I can't uh, think of something unless it's like a in a like a normal like pedestrian car or an SUV. Um, I, look, I I didn't pick something completely whack ass like Lenny did with his his choices. I didn't pick a Voxel. All right. Gotta be an XJR or something, whatever they made in two thousands. I don't know. Oh, I'm so glad I'm stumping you guys. Man, this I really this is fantastic, folks. I am stumping the car, guys. Mm. Mm. <sighs> you guys, you guys done? You got any more? So- so, like, in the early 2000s, Jag and the XJR, I think it wasn't a coupe. I think, I think they made it into, like, an executive line. So, the XJR was a sedan. I'm not sure that it had a turbo. We only got one one question now, right? Two. Eight, yeah. 18. We have two. Well, essentially, one question. 18, 19, shoot the shot. <sighs> two questions and shoot the shot. Damn. Now, come on, boys. 
Stop. I'm letting the laymans know you can stump the car nerds. Man, I okay. don't. I really don't know. Don't let don't let Cargate stop you from getting into cars. You can learn cars too. Do not let the car nerds John, stop you from getting into cars. Like if if it was above 500 horsepower, would that like mm, um, I mean whittle I, down that list? I think should we ask him if it's a if it's like a V8? You said we got two questions and a guess. Two, yeah, you're on 18, 19, 20. So you got two guesses and a and a two, two shot. I mean, I'll even give you three two questions, questions and a shot. No, two questions and a shot. I'll give you. Do you want to say if it's a V12? No, it's V12 or V8. There's no way it's a V. Like what the fuck? What V12 did they make? All they made was V8s in the tw- in the early 2000s. So like that's not really wooden, yeah, they, wooding they did, down. They didn't turbocharge any of those. <sighs> yeah. Ryan, is this a V8? Nope. Bah. What the frick? Again, remember, folks, you too can get into cars and stump car nerds. <laughs> did they make a? Did they make like a? You know, like a like a Aston Martin, like Valhalla type of like, you know, unobtainium. Uh John's falling a path. John's going down something. I like it. Keep going, John. Unobtainium. That's that's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, then I have absolutely no idea. I didn't follow Jag. I've never followed Jag that bespokely. That's sad. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you a toss because we're towards the end here. This is the essentially predecessor chronologically to this vehicle was the XJ220 spiritually. The predecessor, you mean? The the predecessor spiritually to this vehicle we're talking about was the Jaguar XJ220. If you remember, I would put my garage because that is a fantastic car and like growing up was like the fastest car is the XJ220. So that's why I thought uh, you were picking the XJ220. I didn't though because that's an easy. I want to stump you guys. My goal here is to stump you. Damn it. What? It's got to be something ugly, right? Because I don't nope. think they made it. This is not an ugly car. It, this is very, this is very aero, tight, sexy, body Lamborghini type of fucking styling. Wait a second! Wait a second! I got nothing. I got. Is nothing. this a hybrid? Is this car a hybrid? Oh, buddy, my man! Yes, it is. Oh shit! Well, then I know exactly what it is. It's, damn it! They, it it buddy. is ugly because buddy. it's it's not a production oh, no, car. It's not. it's not a production it's, uh, car. It is not. It is ugly no. because it's. I think it's uh, designed by Pianfernini. And you're and twenty. It, this you is mean, your shot. Shoot your shot. No more questions. Shoot your shot. Shoot. John, it. yet you you Shoot could it. correct me on that name, but like Shoot. there was Pianfarina. Pianfarina, like in the early two thousand. 10 i want to say to like 2015 like they had this really weird design language that like it was just to me and i'm sure to a lot of people on the internet it I was am, gaudy it was just so italian it hurt i am confident that ryan might have picked, just that ryan picked a car that was never actually built and sold but go I ahead might have, shoot it i might have red hair in you john uh, is this the jaguar cx 75 you nailed it, Lenny! I'm yes. so proud of you, dude. I'm so proud of you, man. Yo, that oh, car dude. is an idiot. So Why would you ever pick the car? And like, okay, hold on. Your hint. I'm just gonna say this. Your hint was terrible. Okay, so Perfect. one to hell with you. Not hold a produ- on, hold on. Not a production car. So not valid hold for the on. game. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Hold on. Let me not Google this. Let me Google car. this. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. First off, Lenny threw out all the rules on production value and sexy supercars when he uh, played his card. It was the most produced car in like three continents. What do you mean? Okay, I didn't. I didn't know I needed to pick a production car. I just picked. Okay, number one, Ryan always picks cars that sound good, and that is exactly what this car does. Because this car has, uh, in your in your non-produced value, the prototype had a very interesting diesel engine setup a two diesel micro gas turbine concept engine which then ended up turning into the 1.6 liter twin charged inline four cylinder which is both twin charged right. and supercharged yeah. which is why yeah. i walk turboed and yeah. super yeah. super neat exactly. super, super neat one problem 
never actually built and sold, so invalid for the game. Hey, hold One on. Wait, wait a second. Concept wait a second. car was built it. and like five were produced. I don't think not they were for sale. Concept, not for sale. Not for sale. Concept, I, but here's the thing. They were not for sale because of money and financial issues. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, it's not a car that you can use oh, for the game. John, it's you're not just a car because you didn't. Get I'm not butthurt. I'm I not can't. butthurt. I can name Lenny a million. Lenny got it though. Lenny got I it. I got it. I'm 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 still kind of salty. Yeah, Why? Why are you salty? I don't understand how I even it's got that. Like invalid. What? It's an invalid card to play. You, yeah, it's an invalid card to play for the game. So Ryan's not allowed to host Why? the game anymore. That's not no, a car that you can buy. Hold up. Hold up. That's Why not a car. is this invalid from me? Hey, there's no, you this know isn't what? up for debate. It's hey, not a car you can buy. We'll, we'll, it's not a car you we'll can let, buy. We'll let the people decide. Here, you listen. Catch us next week for part two of Group B Rally. Uh, follow us on Twitter, zeroliftpodcast.eth, and on Instagram with the same name. Uh, I'm going to be posting later on on both of those accounts, uh, and I need your guys' opinion, everybody who listened, whether or not that counts as a valid car for what I wish I was driving. That was and a if fantastic we car. should put Ryan in the corner with a little dunce cap on for a little while. No, because no, no, no. It was I not a great car. But we'll let, we'll let them sold. decide. It was never sold. That's not up for debate. It was never sold. No. Period. Engine sounds amazing. Don't care. It was designed by Williams. Let's get it. Hold on. The engine no, was designed by Williams. No, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You just so got. He lost. No, I'm not mad. I lost because one, we didn't I mean, lose. We won. One, we didn't lose. I know. And we won. Two, we took the job. Two, you know, what you're doing right now is if you got caught by your significant other cheating and you're like telling her how hot the girl was <laughs> and oh, how geez. you had a hard day at work. She was a unicorn, babe, I swear. Yeah, and you're ignoring the fact that. Don't the talk rule, about unicorns and John. You're ignoring that the rule is that you have to pick a car that was sold. <laughs> Sure. There was never okay. First and that's off, it. There was, that's the no rule. First off, period. There's no first off, it that's was it. never sold. Established. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, it was. First off, that yes, rule was. was that yes, rule. It was, it was, was never established. established. Yes, it was. I'm talking about unicorns and John because that was a whole part of his life that he's not doing currently. <laughs> and also, like, that, that, I just I picked a good sounding car. I picked a car that matter. was complicated, and you it, still it, guessed it. Doesn't like, matter. It was still, a great does, car. It's not. It's never sold in the confines of the of like the one rule that we have. And people, we are zero lift. 